Jamie. Yes, Matt. All I want to do is talk about Sally. Rise, Sally, rise. Wow. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. We are not giving up our day jobs. Uh, all I want to do is talk about Sally. Ride. Sally Ride. Really, really clever, Matt, because we're going to be talking about the astronaut Sally Ride. <laughs> <laughs> so clever. I'll tell you what, clever? you are king of the links, aren't you? King of the links. Do you mean, is that is that my deodorant? <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I like uh, it. So, uh, Jamie, do you know what my favourite thing of the week was? Go on. Uh, so, I was watching Carl Sagan's Cosmos because yeah. you know I'm trying to I'm trying to learn an impression of him. Yeah, of course. It's almost there, by the way. Yeah, how's I'll that tell going? You what, good. It, it, it's good. I reckon by next week I'll I, I'll be able to uh, bring it out. I'll well, be able to hit you. I think hit you with the I Sagan. I think our listeners are, are all on just as much bated breath as me. Right, exactly. Uh, and uh, and after watching, um, I, I actually was watching it on Father's Day and I was watching with my son George yeah. and uh, George turned around to me after watching episode two and said, oh my God, that is easily the best explanation of evolution ever. And it, and it is. It's, it's absolutely amazing. So if, nice. if you've forgotten how good it is, just go back and watch that. It's just genius. Definitely and worth then the a next day, And then the next day I saw... Nick Sagan, Carl Sagan's son, yeah. doing a sort of blog about his dad, Carl. And oh, really? it's it's really, really touching because you just go, oh, my God, Carl Sagan is this really, really funny guy. Now, remember a couple of weeks ago, we uh, we were talking about uh, the size of the universe and, and I mentioned parsecs. I remember and, it. And then you mentioned the quote about Han Solo bragging about the Millennium Falcon. That's right, yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was thinking, no, that, that can't be right, because parsecs is, uh, is, is, is a measure of distance, not of time. Yes. This and apparently, is, uh... apparently, yes, this did actually wind up Carl Sagan quite considerably. Yeah, that's totally and true. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, it, uh, and Nick Sagan said, but Dad, it's just a movie. And he said, yes, but they can afford to get the science right. And I thought, yes, he's absolutely right. <laughs> yeah, if they spent millions on the, uh, you know, yeah. explosions and stuff, just pay somebody to research it. No, totally. It's just completely ridiculous. But, wow, amazing. <laughs> Although that would have annoyed me if my dad had said that when I was about 12. I'd be like, shut up. <laughs> just get into the film. Just get into it. No one it. cares, I, Dad. And, and anyway, my, my excuse for uh, the writers of that film is they, they it is set in a galaxy far, far away, so... Just because we call parsecs a certain exactly. thing doesn't mean that that's what it means in uh, in that particular galaxy. Yeah. We just have to say it's a translation error. Yeah, Sagan. Not so clear yeah, now, Sagan. are you? Yeah, hey? Yeah. Nah, he is. He's just really... Let, just let it go, Turns Sagan. Turns out he's really clever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, certainly one of the uh, my favourite uh, science uh, advocates. Well, what do you call it when someone, you know, pushes science? One of my favourite science... Um, communicator. Well, we'll move on from that. We'll, we'll cleverly snip in a word, and it will almost be, almost be impossible to know if we did that or not. On June the eighteenth in nineteen eighty-three, who was born? Uh, uh, no, no one was born. Oh, 
<laughs> well, no, I would imagine a lot of people were born. But uh, the interesting thing, the yeah. thing of interest on June the 18th of 1983 was Sally Ride went into space on Challenger STS-7 mission that lasted 147 uh-huh. hours. But it was most known for the fact it was America's first woman in space. Absolutely historic day. Incredible. Uh, and I thought it was worth talking about Sally Ride because actually... Totally is. Her career was unreal. She was chosen out of 8,000 people when she answered an advert in 1977. I love that it was an advert. Do you reckon it yeah. was in the back of the enemy or something? We could find that out if we had time, but we don't. Love to know. <laughs> so, so anyway, she found this advert. She went, yeah, yeah, I'll, I'll give that a go. Uh, and she was selected along with six other women, but out of 8,000 people wow. in 1978. And uh, then she worked as a Capcom, the capsule communicator. Nice. Uh, for, the space, the, for the first couple of space uh, shuttle flights. Yeah. And uh, she also helped to develop the... Canada arm, Canada, or Canada ro- arm, robot arm, robot arm. She, uh, her, her background is quite interesting because she was really, really into tennis, and this will this this will come back near the end of her story. Mm. But she was very into tennis, and according to her, she would have become a professional tennis player had it not been for a l- lousy forehand. Oh, that pesky forehand! So I'm assuming that means yeah. she must have had a wicked backhand. Yeah, definitely. Which is a, l- a lot like the compliments that you give me often. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. So, have they ever played? Have they ever played tennis in space on the space station? Ooh. Ever had a bat and ball game? I'm sure they have. Well, no. In fact, there's that really ace clip of one of the Japanese astronauts playing tennis with himself, like oh, really? gently tapping the ball and then running to the other end of the, <laughs> the thing and then tapping like it back. It. Like it. <laughs> so it's quite it's quite good. Well, when I say running, he sort of floats over yeah. to the other side and yeah. yeah. A floating you know, run. You know. uh, uh, but she, uh, she graduated from Stanford University with a degree in English and physics mm-hmm. and then got a master's and then eventually a PhD in physics nice. by 1978, so the time that she was chosen to be an astronaut. So she's an expert in X-rays and the interstellar medium Whoa. And, and electron lasers and things like that. So that's pretty cool, isn't it? That's very cool. Anything with electron laser, laser in is cool. Uh, and she didn't give a monkeys about her gender. She just only saw herself as an astronaut. Yeah. Uh, she had. She was extremely private about her personal life. But in 1982, mm. just before her first flight, yeah. she married astronaut Steve, Steve Hawley and then divorced him uh, just before... No, again, after her second flight on STS-41. Oh. Now... Tragically, she didn't get to fly a third time on STS-61 right. because of the Challenger ah, disaster. Challenger. Horrible. But this is, uh, in some ways, this is one of the most remarkable stories, is the Rogers Commission. Mm. Bit of a supergroup. On the commission, you've got the greatest scientist of the 20th century, Richard Feynman. Mm-hmm. The first man to walk on the moon, Neil Armstrong. Tick. <laughs> the first person to fly over the speed of sound, Chuck Yeager. Chuck Yeager. Tick. And the, and the first woman in space, Sally... Well, first American woman in space, Sally Ride. It's ridiculous. All they need is the well, first dog in space and they're set. That is a heavyweight. That really is heavyweight. It turned out General Donald Kutnier was um I think he was he was one of these people that was pretty key to how this investigation yeah. sort of 
came about. Now, um, a chap called Roger Beaujolais, he objected to the space shuttle launch before it took off, saying that um, he thought the O-rings wouldn't, would not be in suitable condition because of the cold weather. Right. Uh, and uh, and Sally Ride was one of the one of the only people that sort of showed him public support, and she slipped the information to Donald Cutnier, and he went off. and uh, Legend has it took Richard Feynman into his garage to show him his sort of car collection, right. and uh, sort of kept saying things like, "Yeah, yeah," you know. Richard Feynman sort of wandering around. He's got a mild interest in cars and. And he's sort of saying, yeah, 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 Richard, of course, uh, yeah, I've got a head gasket problem. When it gets cold, the rubber doesn't, the rubber seal doesn't work. Wink, wink. The rubber seal doesn't right. work. Right. <laughs> and it it's work? kind of like, well, yeah, it did. So Richard Feynman was the, he sort of went away and sort of understood this kind of internal weird politics and, and uh, basically ripped the, um, of the safety uh, precautions apart, he he really sort of. Uh, one of the things was that they were complete. The 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 NASA management were, were just basically had got risk all completely mucked up. They just didn't understand risk and what it meant. So he just ripped it all apart and said, you know, this is absolutely ridiculous. And he was the first person to sort of demonstrate. Uh, with a really simple experiment in this in this kind of meeting, that uh, the rubber O-rings just didn't return back to their normal shape when they were cold, and that's what had caused the accident, and everyone realised, yeah. Blimey. So, yeah, so uh, uh, obviously Sally Ride was very, very key to that, but that, wasn't re- that, that information didn't come to light until after her death in 2012. Right. Uh, but in 1989, after that uh, commission, she became Professor of Physics at the University of California, uh, and director of the California Space Institute. Nice. And then in 2003, she was asked to serve on the Columbia Accident Investigation Board. So that obviously when the space yeah, shuttle they must uh, have seen what broke apart on re-entry. Yeah. And she's the only one that served on both those panels. So in well, that you've sense, got to get her on board. Then she set up uh, the Sally Ride Science, which is a company she co-founded in 2001 that uh, basically... Uh, it, it helps middle school students uh, with a particular focus on getting uh, uh, girls into STEM or STEAM subjects. Excellent. But, uh, one of the very interesting things was uh, that after her death, it was revealed, apart from the fact that she uh, let slip this information, uh, she was also her long-term partner since 1985 was Tam Oceanesi, yeah. uh, who helped her set up the Sally Ride Science and also co-authored some of the books that they wrote ah. uh, uh, and was also has, has played at Wimbledon just down the road from here and was ranked number 52 at tennis. Blimey, that's not too shabby. Uh, and uh, yes, Tam, of course, is, 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 was a woman. And uh, which makes not which actually makes Sally Ride the first LGBT astronaut. Makes her even cooler. I think that's great. And you know the, about private thing. It's like, well, if she, if you're an astronaut, who cares who you're going out with? Do you know what I mean? It's no one's business. Who cares? Well, it's, they're so they're such remarkable people that it, it's like. Yeah. Well, it, it, it's they're chosen. simply not news. Well it's, well, it's well, it's simply not relevant, is it? They're chosen because of their abilities, and and it's a, and it's obviously a re- really rare ability because yeah. you know it's from eight thousand whittled down to six. Yeah. Um, 
Uh, she's gone on to win the Von, Von Braun Award, the Lindbergh Eagle, the Theodore Roosevelt Award, the Samuel S. Beard Award, the Arnie's California Hall of Fame. I mean. <laughs> Uh, and in 2017, uh, she had a Google Doodle on International Woman's Day. Doodle. The Google Doodle. Whoa. How cool is that? I've always wanted one of them. Uh, so her legacy is quite awesome. It really is. And I've, I've noticed that there's even a, uh, a boat, which is a Neil Armstrong class research vehicle. Wow. Owned by the United States Navy, is called the RV Sally Ride. Aww. Yeah. And uh, that takes graduate students uh, out to uh, study oceanography. That's ace. Yeah, so that's cool. I tell you what, let's raise a glass to Sally Ride. And this is going to be this is going to be a usual feature, isn't it, on the show? We're going to what we're going to do is we're going to do a little feature on every single astronaut that's ever been to space. And how many is that, Matt? Well, it's a lot. How many? I think it's it's I think it's five hundred and thirty-six. How many astronauts have been to space? Yeah, it's 536. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. Uh, uh, but uh, three of those have, have only done a, a suborbital flight. Right. Uh, obviously, most fam- famously, Alan Shepard. Oh, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, there we go. There you go. So, three, 536. So, if we do an astronaut per week, it's, gonna, it's only going to take us 10 years to get through. <laughs> What do you think? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, it's okay. You know, we've got well, to do something with our lives. It's, it's a bit like the ambition of Sufjan Stevens and his... Uh, I'm going to doing... do an album for every state. Yeah, he stopped after four, I think. So um... Yeah, yeah. Well, we're not going to stop after four. No. We've def- done a few already. We've done a few yeah, already. Yeah, we've yeah. done Helen Sharman, for example. Exactly. And we've done Al Warden. Yeah. And we've done... Uh, well, now we've done Sally Ride. So we're, we're knocking them down. And The Last Man on the Moon. Oh, yes, of course. Yeah, of course we have. We've, yeah, yeah standard. Yeah, we, let, we, we've done them all. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the stupidest story of the week, Jamie. You're going to say KFC, aren't you? I, I am going to say KFC. So is this another one of those meat pie into space, but it wasn't really space? And it's not in space. It's yeah, so annoying. People keep saying this. It's like, oh, well, it's kind of fun. And God knows I like, you know, the Colonel's recipe. However, it's not really space. It's actually the strat. It's just the stratosphere. I mean, mind you. Been there, done that. Imagine that, because it might be worth it. You know, if Worldview uh, make their Stratolite vehicle and are able to take up, you know, regular passengers. Yeah. It would be cool to go up in a Stratolite. Oh, for sure it would be cool to go up. But I think sending things up saying that they've gone into space. Yeah. Is a little bit tenuous, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, at least this thing goes up. This thing goes up and it does stay up for quite some time. It's not like um, uh, New Shepard that sort of goes up and you're in space for a few seconds and then you're coming back down again. And and it does seem pretty dangerous. <laughs> Having said all of this, Matt, if I did go up that far, I would definitely tell everyone that I'd been into deep space. Oh yeah, no, totally. In, I'll just say, yeah, space. Been, yeah, I've been, I've been <laughs> interstellar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Where <laughs> yeah, did you definitely. go? Uh, you oh, know. The, the Oort cloud. Do you know the Crab Nebula? Uh, yeah, I've just, I just went there. You know. And <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I, I'm quite tempted to go off on the world view. I have to say, but uh, yeah, this KFC thing. I mean, the KFC president with his, we're excited to be the ones pushing spicy crispy chicken sandwich space travel forward. So Matt, did he send a did he send a zinger up? 
because he said we're excited to be the ones pushing yes. spicy crispy spicy. chicken. So it must have yeah. been the zinger. Yeah, that makes me happy. Because <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, if you're right. if you're going to buy something in KFC, it's got to oh, be the got, zinger. You've got a zinger yourself, haven't you? I wonder if it's called zinger everywhere. I wonder if that's what they call it in America. Oh, yeah, maybe. Matt, I'll tell you what story I'm excited about. Yeah, go on then. A worm that grew two heads in space. Oh, uh, yeah, that is pretty freaky. An amputated flatworm fragment sent to space regenerated into a double-headed worm, a rare spontaneous occurrence of the double-headedness. Yeah, wow. so flatworms. Yeah, flatworms. You can just cut them up and they'll just regrow into complete individuals. Please don't try after, this at uh, home. Literally, after, after they've been cut into pieces. Well, I'm... I'm sure it's one of the things that they do at you know if colleges all around the country. If there are any people like... listening, this is just us um, speculating. We're not cutting worms up. <laughs> but imagine, can you put them in the liquidizer and then you get hundreds of them? Oh God! But what are you uh, starting acor- with? <laughs> according to Michael Levin, yeah, the professor of biology at Tufts University in Massachusetts, he says. Uh, it helps us optimise future space travel, but will also shed light on basic mechanisms that will have implications for regenerative medicine therapies on Earth and in space. Shaken, <laughs> not stirred. My name's Michael Levin. Uh, so, yes, uh, there we go. What do you think of that? Wow, I, I like it. Yeah, it's pretty cool, isn't it? I'm, um, I'm into it. Uh, but how weird... No, this one made me think about things that I've never really thought about before. Go on. The, uh, so uh, there was a Russian progress launch uh, about a week ago that went up to the International Space Station. Yeah. Now, someone died uh, downrange from the launch from uh, the first stage coming down and setting fire to the Russian steps. Oh, blimey. Yeah, so, um, so it's uh, 375 miles downrange from the launch site yeah the first stage falls back to falls back to earth and there's a company called npo mashish nostrenya easy for you to which say main, yeah mashish nostrenya uh, which maintains the drop zones right. so obviously that that is where they always land so there's a, a company that's out in, on the russian steps that that look after this thing but apparently this thing must have come down and actually started a fire ah. and uh, uh one person was killed and i think some others were injured trying to put this fire out oh, so dear. so i've never but i've never really thought about this like the the, the downrange uh yeah the this downrange um thing of the soyuz takeoff it seems like pretty crazy but yeah, that's totally uh, that's crazy well i mean presumably the reason that, that they must they track that this it. is this is a special drop zone where they yeah. expect it to come down. I mean, most if you look at most launch sites, they launch out into sea, which is why yeah, that New right. Zealand one, for example, is really, really cool because it's just there's just nothing for it to fall on. And yeah. the same with, you know, that's why they're like East Coast and West Coast. In fact, that is one of the exciting things this weekend uh, is we're just about, uh, maybe while we're talking, we, we're going to have a SpaceX launch on the West Coast or the East yeah, the West Coast, and then we're going to have one on the East Coast oh, or two days later. The sick. double header. Yeah, how cool is that? Is very the, cool. Are you are you a West Coaster X. or an East Coaster, Matt? I want to live in San Fran. San, San, San Fran. I'm a San Fran it's man. It's so great. And then you can head down to Los Angeles, where the helicopters have cameras. <laughs> that's what uh, that's what Snoop Dogg once said. Is it really? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay, that's fair. Yep. Enough. 
you know. So yeah, we, in fact, in 29 minutes, Jamie, we've got a SpaceX flying from the Kennedy Space Center in, or in Florida. Oh, so if no, I lived actually, in Florida, sorry. I'd always be I'd always be down there, Cape Canaveral. I'd be one of those geeks that gets bullied, you know, like we bully train spotters over here. People would like mm-hmm. mock me and, and bully me because I, I would have my telescope and yeah. and my and my binoculars out of the launches. They'd be like, "Look at that geek! Look at that space geek!" No, oh, I'd, I'd just be so there. Have you ever kissed a girl? Yes, I have. <laughs> actually, it was a picture <laughs> of Sally Ride in a NASA magazine. There's so much to unpack there, Jamie. Oh, there really is. Let's move on. Now, the journey to Mars seems to be pretty much dead. Yeah, I didn't like that headline when I read it, Matt. Well... What's the story? It's a very good article, again, by our friend Eric Berger from Ars Technica. Love Eric. Uh, and I do... Uh, yeah, I mean, let's face it, we love him. And, and he does write a good space article, and we pretty much use one each week. Totally does. Yeah. Uh, but this was really... This was well spotted. There was a video, basically, that uh, NASA have released... Uh, that sort of says, oh, look at how Ace uh, NASA are doing. Look at the first five months into President Donald Trump's uh, NASA. Yeah, so it's like a sort of mid-year look at how Ace NASA is. Yeah. And what's most amazing about it is the things it leaves out. Oh, yeah. So it it celebrates the announcements of Lucian psych missions, which we obviously covered extensively on one of our we shows. Did. No stone when it came unturned. Out. Yeah, no stone unturned. The Cassini's exploits at the Saturn system, again, we've covered that one yeah. uh, a lot. Juno, of course, we've covered massively. Uh-huh. Uh, the Hubble Space Telescopes, uh, with its confirmation of the plumes on the surface of Jupiter's moon Europa. One of my faves. Yep, so uh, it had all that stuff in, but nothing, nothing <laughs> about Mars. It's ridiculous. Even though there's... You know, several rovers and orbiters round the, the that are going round Mars, and and there's lots of lots of discoveries that uh, are, that that's happened at Mars, uh, which which is just seems to be pretty incredible that that's been missed out. So, does anyone know why? Uh, well, th- uh, uh, an earlier Ars Technica report uh, said that NASA have noticed that NASA have significantly scaled back its promotion of the journey to Mars. On mm. social media. So maybe it's just the fact that NASA are slowly becoming less interested in Mars itself. And, uh, you know, which could be. I hope a that's bit, not the case. A bit weird. It can't be, can it? No. You no, know, no child under the age of 20 has known anything but America on Mars. So there's been a bit, you know, there's America have had a presence on Mars for anyone under the age of twenty for their entire life, but maybe this is this is horrible. But maybe NASA is NASA and America are turning their back on Mars. And do you know the other planet that they don't mention? Go on. In this video, Earth. Oh. Because Trump has made no secret of his disdain yes. for climate change science. It's like, oh my god! It's just, it's just awful, isn't it? So actually, yeah, that that Stop was a pr- thinking you're uh, going to create all the jobs because you're a- keeping coal and gas. No, yeah, it's a depressing, it's a depressing uh, little uh, article, but very well spotted, I thought. Uh, but much better on this side of the uh, on this side of the Atlantic. Oh, give us something positive, please. No, well, I'm going to give you something positive. I thought the Queen's speech was going to be. 
<laughs> a pretty negative, damp squib of an affair. Yeah. But there was one awesome thing in the Queen's speech. Go on. And that was the mention of British spaceports. There we go. We might be back in business. This is the real deal, people. It is the real deal. So, uh, yes, the spaceports were mentioned in the Queen's speech. Uh, I did. Uh, I picked up on two regional uh newspapers uh obviously in the glasgow evening times it was uh billed as spaceflight bill could see scotland become thriving hub and in the cornwall live newspaper it was queen's speech space bill to pave the way for cornwall spaceport so i think personally <sighs> this is getting everyone excited yeah i think Newquay airport and the uh because of because of its connection to goon hilly i mm. think it's got a really really good shot at being the uh, spaceport and, and of so course you know, it's what on the place. coast yeah and it'd be amazing and of course that was something i did pretty much a year ago today is climb the uh climb the uh satellite um, i remember dishes. you when you did that yeah da- down at down at goon hilly and one of them uh might be used the one i climbed actually is might be used to uh track the sls em1 mission how cool is that Oh, really? So, so yeah, so it already has a big space connection anyway. So I think Goon Hill is in with a, with a really good shot. And that's, what, that's who I'm rooting for. Well, go, say what you like about Cromwell. the Queen, but she's knocked it out of the park there. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> and Matt, did you see her EU hat? Yeah, that was crazy, brilliant, wasn't it? Brilliant. Yeah, that was, I mean, that was quite weird. Someone must have been, someone must have been laughing. Yeah, it were, right. uh, yeah, it's really weird, wasn't it? Uh, Thirteen point seven billion pounds space industry. There you go. And uh, whoever gets that spaceport gets a nice ten percent share of the global space economy by twenty thirty. Yes. Which, yeah, that's pretty good. Of course, Britain does a lot in space, but we don't have any launch capability. Not yet. No. Uh, one thing that's worth a quick news item that's worth uh, mentioning is SLS yeah. and or- Orbital or ATK have been testing their SLS launch abort motor. Right. And that's very, very loud indeed. <laughs> How I think loud? louder, louder than they were expecting. So loud that the acoustic load was like just off the hook. Now, oh, really? Yeah. A lot of people think acoustic load means like a sound travelling through air, but in actual fact, acoustics can is the is the propagation of waves through any medium. Uh, just so you know, I just you know well, I just thought I'd put just it out there. To say it, but yeah, you yeah. Put, took the words out of my mouth. Now another really cool one, another quick, another quickie was yeah. this week. They had the rollout solar array or Rosa, and and that's it. Looks weird. It, it's basically essentially uh, a rolled up. Uh, imagine. Solar solar panels on spaceships are yeah. normally sort of concertina affairs that kind of uh, roll out that way. Well, uh-huh. this one's more like the kind of Venetian blind that's rolled up. Oh. But instead of like a drawstring that pulls out the Venetian vine, it's like having two tape measures either side. And you know that tape measures, when you sort of pull them out, they sort of... Uh, they've got their own kind of rigidity because of that kind yeah. of U-shape in the me- yeah. metal. It's, I think it's kind of running on that principle. Wow. So so that it, and and it actually kind of just folds out all by itself. So there's no motor or anything. So these uh these um so you imagine this kind of roller blind that's being kind of forced out by these two tape measures that are just kind of finding their um uh uh you know just springing out using the potential energy that's stored in the way that they've been coiled up. How very self-sustaining. Yeah, so that's uh, that's quite cool. 
And it's Dexter. Awesome. The it went up on the uh, it went up on the old uh, the Last Dragon mission that went up there, and Dexter the robot deployed it. How oh, cool God is bless that? You, Dex. Yeah, man. <laughs> so that that that's that's uh, that's that I should imagine that has a lot of very interesting um, uh, things going on. So that that's at, that's at the space station now being tested for a few weeks. Well, talking of interesting, out. Matt. Mm-hmm. I tell you what is interesting is mm-hmm. a new branch in family tree of exoplanets that was discovered. Yeah, that this is really weird. And actually, a lot of these articles get a bit confused as well. So well, I've read. A f- here's the I've, thing: whenever it gets put in the paper, people go, "They found Earth-like planets that have a." Ha-. It's like, well, they've been doing that for years. <laughs> However, they have found another. Is it in the last few weeks they found another ten? Well, I believe. Yeah, so they, so Kepler, I mean, I think this article... Kepler, that's right. Yeah, Kepler has just released the eighth and final data release of the original four-year yes. Kepler mission. So uh, all that data has finally been released, and uh, which brings up the total number of exoplanet candidates to 4,034. Wow. 2,335 have been confirmed to be planets, and 50 are located in habitable zones and are there roughly Earth-sized. The so there's 50 Earth-sized habitable zone planets in the Kepler data. Data. Uh, so this new set of data has, has, has essentially added 219 new planet candidates, 10 of which, 10 are, of which are Earth size in the habitable zone. Go. Now, but this other article is basically pointing to the this this data has chucked up one little surprise. Most of these close-in planets were found to be roughly between the size of Earth and Neptune, which is about four times the size of Earth. But until now, the planets were found to have a variety of sizes spanning this range and were not known to fall into two size groups. So, yeah, it's just the fact that there's these two size groups without this mid-range in the middle. That's really interesting. Makes you think of what else we don't have. Yeah. But what we do have, I have spotted an article today, is there might be a planet ten. What? Yeah, this is this is this is this is bonkers. So we've got planet nine that kind of lurks. They reckon about between five hundred to seven hundred astronomical units away. Right. Remember that. Remember that's that's like ridiculously far out. So planet nine. They think around about there, they think they may have another planet because of this, again, uh, objects in the Kuiper belt being disturbed. Uh, but this one's going to be a hell of a lot closer. Wow. Uh, they think it's going to be at about 100 AU, which is about twice the distance of Pluto. So that's still yeah. blooming miles out, but not five times the distance of Pluto. And how long would it take you in, an, in a fighter jet, Matt? Um... um uh, well, we just, I can't even remember. It, it, yeah, I can't remember. Ago. It's a very long time. It's a long time. Yeah. And remember, what we should have pointed out in that episode, of course, you can't fly fighter jets in space because they require the um, oxygen from the air to actually Such work. Such a party pooper. I should have pointed that out at the time. Yeah. You know, it would have been silly. <laughs> <laughs> That's such a dad thing to say, yeah, isn't it? Yeah. Dad, where, where are you going tonight, son? Um, I'm going to go and fly a fighter jet in, in space. Don't be silly. You can't do that. It's <laughs> great. But Love anyway, it. this this Planet 10 is is sort of Earth-sized, they reckon. this. I mean, I've only seen one article about this in space.com. Uh, uh, but um, yeah, this it's a scientist at the University of Arizona Lunar and Planetary Laboratory, the LPL, 
seem yeah, to think nothing. that it's a, it's, a, it's a chance. So what would be quite funny is that Planet 10 might become Planet 11. Uh, sorry, Planet 10 might become Planet 9, and Planet 9 might become Planet 10, oh, depending God. on which actually gets confirmed first. What? Well, my head is spinning. <laughs> As are they. Um, yeah, li- literally. The planets literally are spinning. spinning too. Yeah. So, Matt, what's happening in the world of gravitational waves? Ah, so way back when... Jamie, on our very first episode. Is this a blues song? Yeah. Way oh, back way when. Way back when. Do, 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 do. On our very first episode. Uh, we talked we, about Lisa. Lisa Pathfinder. And a trio of satellites. No, no. We talked about Lisa Pathfinder, which was Issa's uh, kind of demonstration mission. Yeah. Of, um, uh, of the technology required to set up a gravity wave detecting satellite system. Yes, correct. So, and um, but since then, since then, we've actually had um, uh, the ground-based LIGO actually yeah. capturing the merger of uh, two black holes. Correct, and, ridiculous. Uh, and so it's now, and there's re- very, very recently been a third uh, discovery event. This whole new era of astronomy has been opened up by LIGO. But yeah. LISA is a trio of satellites that that. Uh, uh, instead of being separated by you know uh, a few miles, uh, they they are going to be separated by two point five million kilometers in a triangular formation. Jeez. Uh, and that they will follow Earth in an orbit around the Sun, and so obviously with this huge distance, they're able to be uh, obviously can get a much more sensitive measurement as. Uh, these gravity waves pass the three satellites. And it'll be really interesting just how fantastic the resolution on this will be and and that we'll start to see more gravitational wave astronomy. Basically, a whole new era of astronomy has opened up and LISA has has got the ESA science go-ahead. They're saying, let's just just do this mission. It's going to take a lot of help from NASA to do. But that's going to be really exciting. That's mad. It's just the tip of the iceberg. Yeah, we have to wait till 2034 before that takes off, though. That'll <laughs> so, be fine. Yeah. So, We've got uh, all the time in the world. We're yeah. young men. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's well, true. I'm young. You, yeah. I'm not that uh, young. One thing, that, uh, one thing that happened uh, quite recently as well is yeah. that uh, OneWeb have got FCC approval to launch over 700 satellites for their space internet. Whoa. So yeah, this the Richard. Yeah, nice. the Richard Branson backed one web. Yeah, they're just going to churn. Out, they're going to just churn out these satellites. And as far as I know, that the satellites are already being built and sort of churning out of these various factories, and they're just going to pop them up. You know, bear in mind there's you know there's only a few thousand satellites in at the moment. It does mean that 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 that, that is a significant increase in satellites. Oh, it Seven, really is. Seven hundred. It kind of makes sense that it's going that way, doesn't it? You know, yeah. Nothing needs to be as complicated as it's, or ex, or as expensive as it's been before. No, yeah. So uh, that that is uh, that's uh, that's pretty exciting stuff, isn't it? Really if, is good yes. one, Brano. So, uh, but Elon Musk, of course, is uh, it, <laughs> his <laughs> SpaceX are, are thinking of doing the same thing. Uh, so, and Boeing, Viasat, Telesat. Lots of other uh, competing companies. So it might not just be that 700. It might be, a, you know, it might be other companies as well banging up loads of satellites, of which copycats. basically gives global internet coverage. Nice. Uh, so uh, connecting every unconnected school by 2022. 
Now that is reachable. Yeah, and it's not too far away, is it? That's a, that's yeah. a very, very near uh, time. So, yeah, 720 exactly. low-Earth orbit satellites. So that, that's a very interesting uh, project indeed, one to watch. Beautiful. Keep your eyes open, please. So uh, earlier this morning, Jamie, we had yeah. uh, India's PSLV taking off. Uh, oh, yes. Guess how many satellites it did this time? Uh, 300. No. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone way overboard. Uh, I'm going to say five. No, 31. Oh, blimey. Yeah, right. so you were almost exactly right, but out oh, by an was. order of, just by one order of magnitude. Yeah, that's yeah, all. yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, it Carto <laughs> Sat 3E uh, and 30 other satellites. That's pretty cool, isn't Good it? Good work, India. So, yeah, they're, they're always just going up, flying, pumping out these little tiny nanosats. Big Off time. you go. Well done, India. So that was that was a successful launch today. Don't say pumping out again, please. Oh, okay. Weird. Uh, there's a progress launch again. So hopefully, uh, oh my gosh! In fact, pro- there's a progress launch in four minutes twenty two seconds, Jamie. Really? Yeah. In real time. In real time. That's what I'm oh saying. My God, we're living in the future. We're at seven o'clock. And in four minutes, yeah, we've got a progress launch, so hopefully uh, no one will die in a fire. And in no. nine minutes, we have this Falcon 9 launch. So they're like literally five minutes apart, these two rocket launches. And the Falcon 9 is, is, is again, it's going to be using uh, a reused or a flight-proven booster. Yes, they don't like the term reused today <laughs> or recycled. And, and it's carrying Bulgaria's first-ever communication satellite, and uh, the boss of Bulgaria Sat has uh, has come out and said, "Look, that without uh, the massive savings of SpaceX, we just wouldn't be able to afford to do this." So SpaceX has given uh, Bulgaria a window into the world. Good work, good work, and all the dogs are happy. Yeah, I can hear the dogs. They're <laughs> well happy about the whole situation. <laughs> it must be Bulgarian dogs. Yeah, and then, like I said, we've got uh, 10 Iridium Next satellites being launched uh, two days later, again by SpaceX, but this time from California. And then uh, Ariane Ariane Fire Up and Ariane 5. One of your favourites, isn't it? Yeah, in five days, in five days' time. So quite a busy uh, week on the old uh, launch front. It's a busy uh, week. And it has to be said, if SpaceX maintain this kind of launch cadence, this will be the eighth and ninth rockets they've fired up this year so far. So, which which beats the amount that they did last year, and it really does mean that they are now a steamroller. They really are rocket launching. Yeah, it's just kind of standard now, isn't it? So thanks, thanks, Jamie. Well, thank you, Matt. And uh, Uh, thank you, listeners. Please continue to subscribe and like and, you know, do all that social stuff. The Interplanetary Podcast. Putting Putting the the ace ace back back into into space. space. So, yeah, baby (laughs) space. Goodbye, space cats. Space freaks. (laughs) (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 